This episode is brought to you by FX's The Veil, starring Elizabeth Moss. FX's The Veil is an international spy thriller that follows two women as they play a deadly game of truth and lies on the road from Istanbul to Paris and London. One woman has a secret, and the other has a mission to reveal it before thousands of lives are lost. FX's The Veil, now streaming, only on Hulu. Welcome to the New Books Network. Welcome to the African American Studies channel at the New Books Network. My name is Brittany Edmonds, and I'm very happy to welcome our guest today, Dr. Irvin Hunt, who will be discussing his newest book, Dreaming the Present, Time, Aesthetics, and the Black Cooperative Movement. Thank you for being here today, Dr. Hunt. Thank you for having me, Brittany. It's wonderful to talk with you today. Awesome. Awesome. Well, I thought we could start by you just telling us a bit about the Black Cooperative Movement. Yeah. Um, yeah, the, 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 the Black Cooperative Movement, what's the most interesting to me about it is just the sort of political spectrum that it envelops. And what I wanted to tell was a story about the more leftist leaning side of things. Um, you know, just to give you a sense of the spectrum, on the one hand, you had George Schuyler talking about uh, economic cooperation as literally a form of anarchy. And on the other hand, you had somebody like jo- John Harold Johnson, the founder of Ebony Magazine, for example, saying, I don't want to destroy the system. I want to get into it. So you had these, you had a straddle of conservative and radical views that go all the way back to black mutual aid societies and benevolent societies, our first African-American institutions, in fact, of the 18th century. Um, And so this book really tells a history of black cooperatives through the eyes of the artists at the center of their founding from 1890 to 1980, when and, th- and that arc is because that's kind of a, a, a historical arc of, of its emergence and, and its decline, the cooperative movement itself. Hmm. Well, I wonder if you could tell us a bit more about sort of what it encompasses, the different kinds of institutions, of social organizations, of maybe political organizations, of educational establishments establishments you know when you say cooperative movement what are you what are you naming yeah i mean so cooperatives are organizations technically they're organizations owned by the people who use them the people who made them and some economists just simply say organizations owned by their patrons and so that's like a sort of standard definition to understand basically the basic um foundation of democracy that they consider at their core and the redistribution of resources not according to profit like in a in a in a business uh, not according to um profit or um or or investment but according to the needs of the community and how many people and who are using it so instead of instead of instead of inst- you know, so that's why you have something like dividends that are associated with cooperatives. And so it, it's important to understand that what I'm tracing 
uh, is a are cooperatives that were self-consciously thought of in this way. So it's not really my term. You know, Ella Baker, Fannie Lou Hamer, um, Du Bois, they were all talking about cooperatives under this understanding of what that was. And so, but as as in a historical, a sort of a, a, a meta um, analytical sense, you can say that these cooperatives derive from what was known in the um, 18th century as mutual aid societies, where people were just pooling their resources to meet their most pressing needs, to help bury their dead, um, to 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 feed themselves, to hunger their to to to, to clothe their loved ones, to sort of corral money for health care, and all of that. So it had the grounding in. Um, in, in these in these old mutual aid societies that then that then gets formalized under the name cooperative at the end of the 19th century through um, organizations like the Colored Farmers Alliance and National um, and and, and uh, Colored Farmers Alliance and um, National Cooperative um, League I I'm now fudging that name for 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 whatever reason but that's that was one of the biggest um, populist organizations um, of about a million members across every southern state that it started in 1886 and sort of petered out in the 1890s. And at that point, that's where my book takes off. Um, and and I'm basically showing how Du Bois is sort of planning this resurgence of the cooperative movement that then I then track through Du Bois, Schuyler, Baker, all the way up to Hamer into the mid-1970s. Yeah, no, that's that's interesting. You know, what I'm curious about now is, you know, sort of given what you've sketched out for us, um, and that is the sort of broad political character of the many kinds and types of organizations um, that call themselves cooperatives or un you know, sort of understand themselves to be operating under that sign. I'm curious about what it means to sort of look at all of those different manifestations that you visit in your book. And we're going to go to each chapter eventually. I'm curious about what it means to look at them together. So that's my first question. And I think a related question is, um, you know, why is, I mean, you mentioned this sort of across the book that the cooperative movement is sort of misunderstood, understudied, or taken up in partial ways. And so I'm curious about that. And if that's related to this first question, where these seem to be organizations that maybe operate similarly, but to maybe different ends for different political reasons and different political contexts. And so I'm curious about you know, all of that. So one of the things that makes the cooperatives, in, as I understand, so yes, yeah, so I, I do think that they have been misunderstood as either simply provincial and excessively local. That's some of the critiques that have been waged on um, somebody like Du Bois, for example, that suddenly he broke from his more diasporic-minded um, political thought and was thinking of something more local and more and something that works more in tandem with capitalism. And I think so you get so, but but I think that the the very reasons that the cooperatives have either been misunderstood as as conservative or or 
or or unfortunately ephemeral or or small minded is the very reason it helps us rethink what a social movement is and the kind of organizations that make it up. Um, let me just give you an example. In Ella. Um, Ella Baker, for example, in 1933, was speaking at the Harlem Economic Forum, something called the Harlem Economic Forum. And she had this, she had a title for her talk was, um, quote, communism, Garveyism, consumers cooperation. And if you look at those three words, you see that you have two isms on the left-hand side of the title, and then something that doesn't cohere into a kind of ideological whole, consumers cooperation. And you see that kind of um, dissonance between a totalizing ideology that a lot of literary critics like us can get behind, like socialism and communism and sort of charting the way artists sort of, you know, advance those um, radical um, movements and and, and political organization, and then something that is deliberately trying to rethink what it means to have a decentralized movement. And this gets at the heart of the book, to think of what a movement would mean without a vector of, 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 of original progress, without, without it necessarily needing to plot and map a better future. And so, you know, we think of a movement as a kind of arc as, as, or, or as a kind of dream of a, of a better tomorrow, a dream of the future. And, and one of the things that I think is really unique about these cooperatives is the way it forces us, especially in Black and queer studies, to rethink the, the present and the category of the present. Because this, it, it, what, what was amazing to me throughout the whole thing is just how do you how what it would mean what it means to 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 make a movement without making a better tomorrow what a movement looks like and how many things we have to rethink if we're not if it's not being plotted or imagined in a narrative of progress so of course you know so um and so that 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 has implications for everything about his leadership structure to the makeup of his organizations and somebody like Ella Baker for example is is well known for what she calls group centered leadership and and one of the reasons she's i think attracted to economic cooperation is just how well fit the idea of group-centered leadership is to a movement that's all about decentralized leadership and 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 the sort of limit the logical limit that pushes us because something like group-centered leadership is kind of a paradox it's also it's it's a it's a it's a leadership that actually has no center and also has a center which would mean that it it it, it takes shape to the extent that it does not and so it's it, it it's really pushing the boundaries of how we think about these political categories, like the individual, like what makes up a movement, like who are its leaders, and 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 all of that is housed under this movement, consumers cooperation, which was deliberately at the time thought of an, as an experiment to wage a new kind of social movement, um, and 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 you see that across the board. Um, yeah. So, so, and I, and I sort of just take up again, the, the, the leftist leanings of all that. Right. So, I mean, after hearing that, you know, and I had this as a, as a later question, but I'm curious, I mean, especially given the, the sort of time period that you take up in your book, you said from, 
1890 to 1980. I'm curious about how we understand, and you, you touch on this at points in your book, but I'm curious about how you understand sort of consumers' cooperation or the Black cooperative movement in relation to liberalism. I mean, because in what you just said, I mean, to me, what you've described is is liberalism. And you've described that during the heyday of liberalism in the U.S., even as we know sort of U.S. liberalism is characterized by certain uh, sort of racial exclusions, racial and other kinds of exclusions, multiple kinds of exclusions. But even so, um, you know, in, in some language, to me, what you've described in many ways, sort of decentralized, well, not decentralized power, but definitely a way of managing power that it's not located in one person. Um, some of the other things you said, there was an emphasis on democracy in one of your first answers. I mean, it does seem to me like, it does seem to me like a definition of liberalism. Um, and so I'm curious about, about this movement sort of relationship to that, especially given when it happens and, and, and thinking specifically about certain actors too, because it seems to me that, you know, I mean, an easy way to maybe say some of the things that you're saying is that all social movements are radical, but you seem to want the movement to also be radical while not being radical. And so I guess that's kind of where the question comes from. Hmm. I mean, I'd be interested to hear what your definition of liberalism is. I mean, I think the 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 issue here, I think that you might be getting at, if I'm hearing you correctly, is just the vexed interaction that cooperatives have with capital. But I think it's also important to keep in mind that they were trying to rethink the very idea of property. Um, somebody like Fannie Lou Hamer, for example, is working on, um, you know, she's building a, 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 she built a cooperative farm, which she called the her Freedom Farm. I wouldn't call her a liberalist. I wouldn't call Baker a liberalist. Um, but so she, you know, so but but she builds this 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 freedom farm in in Mississippi um, and it and it houses healthcare um, a healthcare uh, hospital um, it houses you know daycare center it's doing a lot with the um, with just you know the 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 the, agra- the agrarian cooperative structure but what's really interesting about this is that she charters or incorporates the farm as a nonprofit um, and then discusses and practices the the, the, the the farm as a cooperative and here I'm thinking that she and, and so so just to just to just to be clear um, so a nonprofit and, and a cooperative are two opposing forms of property holding businesses or organizations, whereas a nonprofit, because you can't distribute the profits to the people who run the the organization, is said to have no owners, and a cooperative is said to have all owners. So you have um, this this tension between an organization that is all owned and an organization that is unowned. And I think what's really interesting about this is, is just how that kind of tension is in service of both thinking of her in the way that Hamer, Hamer thought of herself as a non-normative subject, and also um, how she is trying to imagine a form of property holding that doesn't reinstitute the 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 harms 
of private property. So it, it's sort of, uh, it's, it's, it's not, it's, it's a, just a little bit more complex than trying to create, for example, a commons. And it has to be a little bit more complex as um, the geographer Priscilla McCutcheon has, has pointed out beautifully um, just in how, you know, these farms were particularly, or when described beautifully, it's how these farm and agrarian land are particularly, um, are particularly harmful um, places for Black women and the kind of, um, the kind of, of privacy that she, that Hamer was trying to create without trying to create another form of private property. And so, you know, so, so the, at the corner of that chapter at the touchstone of that chapter is how she's rethinking property and i think that that is something that you can see in um in baker skyler and du bois as well um so you know i mean i so yeah so i i think it's like there's a lot of entanglements um that that i think also are really um that 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 messiness is also really generative in, in rethinking many of our political categories that we take for granted. Sure. Yeah. So if we didn't use sort of property, if I wasn't thinking about the cooperative movement, and we're going to get to your chapters, I do want to dig into to some of them specifically, but I'm just curious based on what you just said, you know, if we're not thinking about the cooperative movement and its difference in relationship to, to, to whatever, to property, what if we think about it in relationship to a category like citizenship? Right. Um, or just sort of everyday social life and the reproduction of that. Um, and I'm thinking about this specifically because in your first chapter, you know, one of the cooperatives that you look at are sort of Rhodey's Citizens Cooperative Stores. So it's right there, sort of in the title, right, of the institution. And so I, 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 I'm still sort of wanting to think about, you know, what you're calling the cooperative movement and it's sort of relationship to sort of other black politics that are happening at the same time. And I guess I'm still curious why the way to read it is against is in a sort of radical vein rather than all these sort of other avenues that are available to us, given what you said is the sort of broad spectrum that cooperation takes in sort of black life across the time that you name. I guess that's what I'm struggling with. It doesn't, it just doesn't seem, you know, I mean, I hear what you're saying. There's a critique of, of property perhaps implicit in it, but that's not the same thing as sort of challenging, challenging the grounds on which sort of definitions of property are upheld. Right. I mean, those are kind of distinct things. And so I'm just, I'm just curious. It's just, as I'm thinking about it, I'm curious why we don't understand this as, you know, being in between a rock and a hard place and black people needing pra- having practical needs on the ground and this being the best way to get those needs met and and that being a part of their ephemeral nature. Like why this isn't uh, a mutual aid society 2.0. These aren't more robust, right? I mean, you know what I mean? Like something happens in your community. We all give money to solve that thing that's happening. And so I'm just, I'm curious about thinking about this maybe the cooperative stores and just thinking about it in relationship to other categories that are given to us by liberalism and thinking about that and against the backdrop of other things that were happening during the time period that you surveyed, if that makes sense. I don't know if that question makes sense, but I hope it does. Yeah, no, it does. It does make sense. I, I, I think that the reading I give, I mean, that I think that's where that's the kind of, that's the kind of reading of 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 cooperatives that 
I'm, I'm both acknowledging and saying we can see something a little different if we just look more closely at, for example, the liberal logics of inclusion and how just on a pragmatic level, the way that they're working with membership, just just who gets to be members. Um, and I, you know, we can we can talk about that later, but you know, even the idea to go back to that wonderful question about citizenship, the idea of yeah, they they it it that that is right there too, but it wasn't um that wasn't the main category through which they saw themselves. And and I think that one of the ways that that helps us rethink um, movement participants is that it is tend there's a tendency to think of social movements in terms of challenges to the state and in terms of challenges waged by by citizens and and there is no I'm not sure and so 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 what I, so so these so these cooperatives like 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 as you were talking about there this you were you were mentioning Du Bois's um, uh, guild, cooperative guild, um, you know, so these cooperatives weren't ideologically consistent and I'm not trying to make them out to be these, these neat ideologically consistent radical formations. What's radical about them is the way that they help us rethink the very terms of radicality. And some of those terms are, and as they interface with, with movement and political formation, some of those terms are something like longevity, and so, yeah. So you're mentioning the the, the ephemerality of them. Um, you know, it, it it that that how do we think of time when we're not thinking of how do we think of the time of the movement and something like ephemerality or longevity when when clock time or linear time is off the table? So so again, just to get at the heart of the book, I'm 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 the 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 the, the way that I think this contributes to black studies and queer studies is, um, and it, it is, is it gives us a way to flesh out the category of the present in a way that we, I don't think we have done in, in, in black studies. And, 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 and so for that, I mean, I'm, I'm thinking that there, there has been a kind of, um, Split might not be the right word, but there have been there have been kind of two orientations toward time in this kind of recent temporal turn. And one way is to think of the present as sort of being imbued or overcome by what you know David Scott calls an accumulation of aftermaths. And so you have just a melancholic orientation toward time. And another way is to think about the present as holding a kind of imminent futurity, which you have in um, Queer Times, Black Futures, for example, um, Kara Keeling. And so you have basically the present as either holding the, the, the as being a holder of the, of the past, um, you know, a past that just won't quit, or as um, prefiguring an alternative future, and what I what I was trying to do at the center of the book um, is to flesh out these different categories of 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 diff- different ways of being in the present, and sort of you know one of the things I say is that the present has become less a category of time than a container for it. 
And so I'm trying to give back to the present. And I think that this is an occasion to do so with these cooperatives, as you point out, this sort of this sort of attendance to 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 immediate needs and and the pragmatics of the day to day and sort of living on their own and how people are living on their own terms. Um, I'm trying to give some some of the integral content, temporal content back to the present and sort of just chart that out through these through 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 a materialist history as well. Yeah. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. Um, and so one of the things I was curious about is like each of your chapters are organized around like very recognizable figures. And you've already named a couple of them as we've been speaking. And I was curious about that choice, right, to organize the book around um, sort of figures, right, like important uh, single singular human beings, uh, given its sort of emphasis on cooperation. I mean, I was just curious about that choice um, and what you might say about that yeah i i i think um i think that one of the things that the book does is 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 helps us you know rethink these figures i mean so 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 for for ella baker one of the things that you know as as someone who has become a kind of canonical figure of egalitarian leadership one of the things i think it 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 helps us do in thinking of her place in co-op in, in, in cooperatives is to help us more deeply understand what that egalitarianism means and, and where failure and a kind of embrace of failure, for example, um, um, uh, you know, is, is significant for that is, is necessary for that. And so, um, you know, it's also not just a, a a story of these figures, but it's also of their relationship to their the you know the members and the people who also advance these movements, like 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 Du Bois and someone and people that we've forgotten, like W. C. Matney and and also. But yeah, I I think that one of the challenges I think this poses to us is how somebody like Du Bois who we think of as a champion of dialectical history might have, you know, departed from um, Marxist historical dialectics of overcoming and, and sort of um, the, 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 the primacy of negation in terms of the way history moves um, to help, you know, so to, 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 to think of a different way that time can move, like, for example, um, uh, you know, what I call a, 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 sustained incipients, a kind of perpetual advent. Um, and so, you know, yeah, they're canonical, but they're canonical for, for the reason that they help us rethink some canonical categories too. Yeah, no, that's great. And you're already, you know, anticipating my next question. And the next question I could say about your entire book, but I do want to focus on your first chapter, which you just sort of named Sustained Incipients, W.E.B. Du Bois's, or W.E.B. Du Bois and the Negro Cooperative Guild. And what interested me about it and about your book kind of generally is how it incorporates so many disciplines. So at the very least, history, literary criticism, cultural criticism, political science, and social theory. And I'm curious why sort of all of these sort of different and sometimes disparate disciplines are so central to the story you want to tell. Yeah, I, I, um, I don't think I, I don't think I started the book thinking that I wanted to tell an interdisciplinary story. I think, I think I just sort of fall. I was just trying to follow and 
I think it just happened by necessity, just follow, just trying to follow what these folks were reading and sort of their own intellectual history. Um, and, 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 you know, just, just, just to follow their, just to map their own understanding of their own terms, like, like, like movement, like social movement, which is, which I was, which I came to through them. Um, So I, I I suppose I, I guess I didn't have a deliberate, you know, desire to make, um, to make a interdisciplinary point, but just, it just sort of happened out of its, out of the, out of, out of the archive and my study of the archive. I was, I was reading um, you know, just, just, you know, Baker, she's, she was actually studying somebody like an economist, like, um, Cartmel who, um, you know, who, who was popular during the 1930s and, and, and she was teaching, you know, a, a, she was teaching at the, the Harlem Y, um, economic cooperation and, 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 and on her, you know, reading lists and her syllabus were, were different economic you know, studies and macroeconomic studies. And so I, I'm just, I think I, if for most of it, I was just trying to keep up with the, with the rapacious thinking of these figures. And to whatever extent I managed to do that is the extent that this book is interdisciplinary. Yeah, no, that's interesting. I'm curious, you know, after hearing that answer, um, whether or not you were able to, you know, uncover any accounts from, from people other than these figures? So people who sort of like robust accounts of what it meant to participate in a cooperative, to be on the receiving end of the cooperative's activity, whether how sort of conflict was managed. And I know it's going to be different across these different sort of spaces and years, you know, you're covering the great you're covering a great deal in this book. But I'm I'm curious if that ever sort of differs than you know, the kind of theorizing from above about it. You know what I mean? Because it seems to me like that, that, you know, people have an idea of what Black Lives Matter is as a movement, but then we also know that the pragmatics of that sometimes look quite different than what's articulated. And so I'm just curious if that kind of dissension is is present um, across the different spaces that you look at. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. There's a sort of untidiness, for example, in, 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 you know, in, in, inside of these concepts, there's a certain extent to which, you know, plan failure, um, you know, the, 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 what I'm calling plan failure in around um, Ella Baker and, and Skyler are, are, you know, just apply differently. And so what I'm, we apply differently to these figures. I mean, you know, Baker, for example, did not consider her, did not consider herself a card carrying anarchist in the way that Schuyler did, you know? Um, and so, you know, there, there, it, it, it does, what I've tried to do is sort of just let the, the, the documents, uh, you know, create the tensions inside my own argument if they need to, um, in, um, you know, instead of trying to, to 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 retrofit it all to a coherent coherent concept, there's a lot of tensions in them for sure. And I think just to go back to that tension of citizens cooperative um, um, grocery store that you were talking about, um, uh, that which also happens to be um, 
one of the longest cooperatives in African-American history, beginning in 1930s and ending in 1961. That's a, it's a, that's a really long stretch for any cooperative grocery anyway. But, um, but yeah, to think of that intention with, you know, um, with, with, with the, you know, the idea of, 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 of a non-parliamentary governance uh, in in the um, you're, you're talking about a, the cooperative in terms of um, what um, the Young Negroes Cooperative League uh, started uh, and 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 that, so yeah there's there is there is a there's a tension there between thinking of oneself beholden to a, a nation and and not and not and you know so th- absolutely I, I just try to emphasize them rather than than hide them I suppose. Yeah, yeah, no, I mean, one of the the parts that I liked in your book was sort of commenting on the, I don't know, like the disciplinary role that that these sort of grocery stores often exerted on the people who would shop within them, right? Like it was trying to train them also about how to be in a world um, where capital was so paramount and so uh, sort of necessary to their lives, but so so out of reach often. Um, And so I really enjoyed that, that part of that chapter. But I wanted to ask you about I wanted you to say a bit more. I mean, we've been talking around this a little bit, but I wanted you to say a bit more about Du Bois's role in the Black cooperative movement and also how you, you do a, a lot of work sort of distinguishing it from like the work he does there from sort of socialism. And so I wondered if you could talk to us a bit about that. Yeah, I mean, so it was interesting for me because Du Bois said that, you know, he had all of these statements about how economic, about how the cooperative movement was quote the most promising of his movements, and and he would say that you know not just when he turned to um, the when not just when he started the guild in 1918, but he was saying that through the 30s, through the 40s, and and looking back when he you know died in Ghana um, at the end of his life in in the early 60s, um, he was still looking back at these cooperatives as 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 a kind of lodestar and 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 at the same time they didn't seem to fit inside of you know what what some people call his um map of you know world revolution where you know um and so they they just didn't have the same totalizing um ideology that his socialism seemed to toy with they just seemed a lot more experimental a lot more um nascent they seemed smaller and for that reason also kind of bigger in a sense too and so one of the things that brought me to him and what one of the things that made me so curious about what he was doing here is that he constantly returned to the beginning of things. And one way you can think of him saying that my this was one of my most promising endeavors is that it is also that idea of of staying in the beginning of things. And and that happened in tension with the very people that he was organizing. So you had somebody like one of his one of his uh one of the other, you know, founders of of 
of of co- of these cooperatives um, that he, you know uh, it, that organized by the guild was this guy named W. C. Matney, and he he and Matney wrote to him saying, "Listen, like the time to do this is now. The time to start these movement this movement." is now and by my, by that he meant you know like let's establish some organizations and and one way to see and 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 other people were writing him saying listen like let's do this and he was saying we we i i, I you know I'm, i don't think it's ready yet and and one way of of one way of looking at that is is is, is a du bois that's afraid to fail um and instead i thought well you could also see it as a as a as a practice of activism in which the beginning and continually be beginning is everything and 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 i and i saw that you know in a in a sort of specific in, in more specifically in the way that he was um um promoting or 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 advertising these um this this th- these cooperative stores called um these cooperative stores called Roddy's Cooperative Stores in Tennessee, um, and by nineteen um, by by the end of by the by the end of nineteen by the end of nineteen twenty they had established about five cooperative grocery stores. Roddy had established five cooperative grocery stores in Tennessee, and Du Bois was promoting in the crisis the first store, and he had a picture of. The, of a car, of a black uh, boxy Ford car, saying "Roddy," and on, on which was printed in 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 white font or or, or white paint, um, Roddy's um, cooperative store number one, and I and I think that that you know as a kind of practice that just kind of repeated over and over again of the return to the beginning and not just to start anew to start in a better way but to sort of maintain the value of life as something that comes not from the fact that things end but from the fact that things begin and a kind of and so that's why i call it a a, a, a sort of sustained incipience or or con, or continually beginning where where birth is is not a st- is not a state that you pass out of, but a state to hold a kind of state of being that you stay within. And what does that mean then for different hierarchies and and the relationship between the leadership and the social base and and all of that other all those other things? And so, so yeah, I mean that that that's what that's why I would say that his 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 cooperatives ideas were in tension with a with a kind of socialist philosophy that was about delivering a kind of end yeah yeah no that's great um well i want to i want us to have time to talk about your second chapter and you've already sort of anticipated some of these questions but even so i feel like it might be useful to listeners to sort of hit on it in a kind of sustained way. So your second chapter is Planned Failure, George Schuyler, Ella Baker, and the Young Negroes Cooperatively. And in it, you know, you, you say, and you've said this a couple of times in the podcast already, that you're trying to give us, you're trying to sort of complicate how it is we understand these two figures. Um, and so I wonder, you know, if you could say something about what we learn about George Schuyler, about what we learn about Ella Baker um, by looking at their cooperative work. Um, yeah, so, well, what we, well, one of the first things is that, you know, Skylar is often remembered, um, as a 
um uh as somebody who was 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 further on the right and somebody a little bit more conservative than than I think he appeared here as he said um the cooperative movement is anarchism in action for example that he said in in I think that was 1933 or so and and Ella Baker I think we it it helps us understand what a consequential figure she are she already was by the time that she arrived in in Harlem in in I think 1927 and and teamed up with Schuyler to to find this um what they called the Young Negroes Cooperative League um one of the reasons the, the 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 reason that I eventually called their practice of actives and planned failure ha- came about when I was reading um, what they um, what what you could call their manifesto, which they released in 1930, and it and 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 it was you know 16 page document, and and if you can imagine it, it was actually called an appeal to young Negroes, and and around the the, the edges of the, the 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 cover page, there was just these you know benign um, Im- images of four leaf clovers as you know as sort of um, you know, to sort of signal its kind of um, duplicity or 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 secrecy, you know, um, and so um, inside of that manifesto, they had they had a written a bylaw, um, and it was the third bylaw, and it said that no people younger than sixteen or older than thirty five can join the movement. And they repeated that three times throughout the, it was like a, it was most, it was the most, so to to sort of emphasize that that was their most central, um, you know, thing inside of this, in in, in sort of central tilt to like how we are imagining that this is going to go differently from other organizations like, and Skylar was thinking here consciously of the NAACP, which of course is not a radical or, or, you know, was not a radical organization, but um this caused a lot of controversy in the black press and um, somebody in the Pittsburgh Courier, for example, quipped that, you know, Skyler, who the reason it's called controversy is that Skyler was already 35 at the time. So he would. So in the next year, the organization was going to lose its founder, its director. Uh, well, sorry, its president. Um, Ella Baker was actually titled its national director, but 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 its president just as it got off the ground. And so some of the one people in the Pittsburgh Courier, one writer said, you know, uh, YNCL plans to lose its founder just as it disembarks. And um, and it was a quip and people, you know, and 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 Schuyler's own bi- biographer um, said that this is a mark of what happens when a novelist tries to plan a political movement, you know, just the kind of <laughs> ridiculousness of it. And I think and 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 when Baker herself was asked by folks, it, you know, by folks like um, like folks at the at the Courier or, or or other other journalists, you know, why what's going on with this why, why would you why would you want to um just you know talk, you, you stir things up as soon as as soon as you start to get going and she just said you know none of these positions are are supposed to be set in stone they're suppo- they're all nominal and she she was just she she was pointing to the fluidity of all of these um leadership roles and i think that it's been kind of dismissed this 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 bylaw, and to me, I thought it was the center of their activism as a kind of m- moment where the 
where they were saying that central to this organization, that what makes this different is that we are planning a kind of end, a, a, a date of expiry or, or whatever, a, a kind of... Um, a kind of a kind of failure from the very beginning and so planning that that that's why i call it a, a planned failure because the the idea that that an organization is 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 rather than rather than meant to endure but also but meant to discohere as 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 central to the the the, the practice of the organization and the movement you know then leads to other questions well what you know, how do we think of uh, the people? What what do we think of uh, the leadership? Well, how do we even think of the, the human subject and and all of these other questions about um, about the way we we describe the way that we describe movements and the way that we um, that describe their success? Um, but it, you know, it, it's super interesting and and and. Um, and and yeah, I would use the word radical to me was was to do that. Yeah, no, it's fascinating. Um, one thing I noticed while reading your book is that kind of each of your chapters contains uh, like like a strong effective backdrop. And so in the first, you emphasize sort of mourning, melancholia, hauntology, necromancy, and then the second, you emphasize the comic. And so I was curious if you could tell us, you know, this is my wheelhouse a bit. I was curious if you could tell us about the work of the comic in the second chapter. Yeah, I mean, I think I yeah, I mean, first, I think that it it matters that Skylar was a satirist doing this. And I also think that, um, you know, it matters that 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 you see um, Baker um joking around uh, all, uh, around the, the 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 their membership um and leadership philosophy i think that matters but i but i also think that um it one of the things i wanted to do or what i think i think that this invites us to do is to um shift the frame of how we imagine political activism through a kind of as a kind of tragedy as the kind of thing you know the 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 ends that were not accomplished to a to, to 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 turn the frame into what happens when we see it as in through comedy and 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 one and and one way of thinking about comedy here is is thinking about um as as, as in, instead of like you know the the person or the figure that falls and gets up or the, the 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 figure that is kind of like psychically or in some way indestructible in 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 and preeminent in, in 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 some way right um but to think think of it instead as a kind of um as a kind of embodiment of a crisis as a sort of sustained crisis and 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 to and to think of um to think of well, one 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 definition that I really like about uh, of comedy um, comes from this philosopher Elenka Zupanchich, where she says comedy is a non-relation that lasts, and 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 to sort of just think of what looking at this through a comedy that is all about holding and 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 and, and embodying disjunctures and gaps. Um, also moves us to something I talk about um, in relationship to this is the category of the ecstatic. And 
you know, ec- ecstatic it, itself a word meaning to being beside oneself or beside the self. And so, um, I, I, I think that, you know, a planned failure of fail of the, the deliberate collapse of, of, of the, of the governing body, which is also, you know, you know, um, also holds implication for the for the individual subject and 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 subjecthood then leads us to a, a something like the ecstatic where people or or the ecstatic um subject is beside it's him or her or their self the outside of of you know of the self and the on a, and, a, and a falling apart that is that is kind of gleeful that kind of generates a an energy that is different from any tragic pathos and 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 leads us into a different place into how we assess the 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 success or make or or make sense of what transpired um so i guess that's that's the that's the broad stroke of why i think comedy is particularly illumining um, yeah no that's great um well, I want to I want to move on to your third chapter, which is entitled uh, "Pluripresence: Fannie Lou Hamer's Freedom Farm," and I wonder if you could just tell us about about that concept in the in the title about pluripresence and the work that it's doing for you in this in this chapter. Yeah, so um, pl- you know, pluripresence was a way of describing two things. As I said, it was a way. As I said at the beginning, it's a way of describing um, the the uh, uh, two forms of owning property that should not be able to be held together. Okay. Just, just, and, but then it was also a way of describing how she managed that. Right. And, and produce that. And, but, but then it was also a way of describing how she thought of herself non-normatively and to take, for example, a sentence, like she was speaking in to, to a Harlem audience in um, the 1960s. And she said, my name is Fannie Lou Hamer. She opens her speech. And she, she did this um, more than once um, to different audiences. But she said, my name is Fannie Lou Hamer, and I exist at 626 East Lafayette Street in Ruleville, Mississippi. And I, you know, you, you know, sure, it, 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 it is on the one hand a way of, say, of, of just simply stating, you know, where she's from, but it just struck me as really odd as not only to say it that way, but also to repeat it in different places. And I thought, well, if we just take her at her word here, she's saying that she exists in two, two at least two places at once. I'm, I'm, I'm here and I am, I am, I am also elsewhere. I'm here and I am not here. And so the, 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 the way that she's thinking of herself as a subject seems to be, you know, pluripresent. Um, and so, you know, plural presence is this is is the way is to think of a movement as emerging in multiple places at once that are not the, in which in which the, in which the places are not necessarily connected. And so, um, um, and 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 it's and it's specifically a way of thinking your property and 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 how and how how to how to sort of rethink property, but. Um, yeah, I guess I'll I'll stop I'll stop there before I get too too specific without giving a, the general broad stroke of what she was up to. Well, it might be useful for you just to tell us a bit about about the Freedom Farm. I mean, we've already spoken a bit about it in relationship to property and its relationship to liberalism, but and I wonder if there's there's more to be said there about her work with the with the Freedom Farm. 
Yeah. Um, so it begins in 1969 um, with what they what Fanny Hamer called the pig agreement. And then also called, you know, in her own, you know, tongue in cheek way, the Oink Oink Project. And and one of the things that, you know, so so it's, if this was a this this, it, you know, it was like a pig farm where where folks could um, would have a pig and would have to return the, uh, you know, the female pig to to the farm so that they that, sh- you know, she could reproduce. And um, and so it was a way of so sh- it was it was a way of 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 making of of sort of fulfilling her basic philosophy at the time with that you know food is a political act or you know um that all you need to survive is a pig in a garden is what else something else she said and so it begins there and then it sort of balloons by the 1971 to 680 acres of of not just um farmland which was you know which was which was both you know which was a mix of of cash crop um and 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 also and vegetables that she would let people pick from freely and and she have even shipped off to chicago at one point when um a hurricane disaster um um made 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 a lot of people homeless and and hungry um and 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 it and and that farm then also housed a daycare center, a school, um, a health clinic, uh, um, a sewing factory where she actually sold, you know, had you know people sew gar- garments and sell, and so it was like a vast idea of 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 a kind of what I, you know, another way of describing plural presence is a kind of all at onceness, everything now. And you can see that inside of this farm, but to go back to the pig agreement and the oink oink project, these, that this was actually the name of the contract that these folks would sign. And I think to go back to this idea of where does liberalism fit in here it's interesting to me. I think that she's goosing and you know making fun of the very idea of a contract by calling it the pig agreement, then doubling down on that humor by calling it oink oink because it was all you know. So it's it's kind of like there was no way for her not to, I guess, to 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 to, to take to 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 accept these the, these funds from various humanitarian organizations to work through the legal structures of cooperative and not have to be embroiled in liberalism but there was also this internal critique of it as well and and you see that just right at the the beginning of it in this in 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 this you know this this ironically named contract right um and so yeah, so it ends. There's a lot of people say it ends in 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 around 1977 when the people who were um, given, you know, sh- oh, I, f- I forgot to mention that there was she also ha- had free housing on this farm, and the only on, and the you, all you needed to join was 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 a dollar, um, and which which you know was was incredible, right? So. Um, but you know, so so she also had housing on this farm. But people were were evicted from their houses in 1977, and the farm sort of dissolved because it just couldn't sustain itself under this under this structure without its leader. She you know she went after Hamer died. Um, so so I sort of just just tell that 
tell that arc and just also while I'm telling that arc, I'm also trying to say, is there a different way of seeing this other than as an arc? Um, and, and another way of seeing it at is as a, as a kind of a plural presence, um, of these simultaneous emergences of, of, an, or, or, uh, uh, or, or all at onceness. Um, yeah, no, that's great. Well, I guess my, maybe my last question and then I have, a, well, my last two questions, but my penultimate question then is, um, given everything that we've talked about today and your emphasis on, you know, sort of scholars needing to take seriously, scholars, theorists, activists, cultural workers needing to take seriously the present, is there a political lesson to be learned in attention to the present? Right? Is there something from doing this work, writing this book that you want to tell us now today? You know, one of the... I guess one of the things that I walk away from is the question more than the answer that I have, you know, hypothesized and just how many times looking at looking at what these folks were up to, they make us question the things we take for granted. You know, the the basic ways that we that we that we define a movement, the basic ways that we define success, the ways that we describe the present as a kind of immediacy and that's all, or kind of pragmatics and that's all. And so the kind of ways that they're saying, hey, can we rethink these things? And 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 can we re- can we rethink of a can we rethink of a movement as made up less of grand acts than of gestures? What does it mean for the basic ethic of cooperatives to be something like we have what we need to have what we want? What does that mean if we take it seriously? How does that how does that make us rethink? our place and time. And I, so I, I walk away from just more instability and then the, 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 the desire to sort of sustain that instability rather than resolve it as something that is, um, stream has been really generative to my thinking. Yeah, that's great. And then the, the last thing, I want you to leave us with is just tell people why they should go run out and buy Dreaming the Present, <laughs> Time Aesthetics and the Black Cooperative Movement. I I think you should go out and buy it because these these movement this these movements were incredible and we and 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 this is it it's it's um it's incredible to remember what we've forgotten about these figures that we think we know so much about. Um and and you know, just the story itself, just the story of their day-to-day activism itself that I that I tell. Go and buy it for that, um, just to hear how they how how they organized all the different, you know, the mechanics and the fun that they had and the sort of life that this gives me. I mean, one of the reasons that I started this book was because I was looking for an alternative to hope and the kind of you know, ways that we rely, I've relied, I relied on hope to think about the future and to think about my, my politics. Well, this is the, this, these, these, you know, over and over again, these folks even said explicitly, this is not about hope. And so they're giving us a different kind, different set of affects to rely on, to, to, 
to 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 be political and that 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 don't necessitate projecting a better future um all right. I'll well, that sounds there. good. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. So thank you so much for, for being here today and for talking with me. Thank you, Brittany. Thank you for having me. This was fun.